If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to take just a minute, if you don't mind. And I guess if you do mind, I'm going to take just a minute anyway. Today's Mother's Day. Some 46 years ago when I left this church, went and met Mary Deborah, and, and we moved around, found ourselves in the late 70s in a church, North Mississippi. It's a church that reminds me a great deal of New Hope. It's Mount Zion Baptist Church, Independence, Mississippi. Mount Zion Baptist Church is 30 miles south of the Tennessee line, and it's in a dairy community. I was, Pud was here the first hour, and I milked cows here with, with Pud, and then I went up there and milked cows with Gary and, and Danny, and so uh, there was a lot of similarities. But one of the things about Mount Zion Church is they have one campus of the Baptist Children's Village, of Mississippi Baptist Children's Village. Most people think, when you think of a children's home, most people think of orphans. And I will tell you that during the, our time at Mount Zion, we ministered to, and actually, Eric, I had about 25, 28 um, teenagers in my youth choir from the Baptist Children's Village. Here's the, what you don't know. There was not one orphan in the bunch. There was not one in the bunch who was up for adoption. I want you to think about being a teenager like this. Every one of them had parents, a parent or two parents, who didn't want them. The reason they were there is because the parents didn't care enough to, to let them be adopted. They just put them there. And, and Mississippi Baptists have taken care of them. I mention that because... Today is Mother's Day, and every year the Baptists have a, uh, an offering. It's called the Mother's Day Offering for the Baptist Children's Village. And on the back table back there, Beth has placed some envelopes that look like this. And if you came and not prepared to give today, that's fine. But take an envelope so you won't forget it, and you pray for these boys and girls. And when you can put a gift in there, we'll give it about a week or so. But I'd love for us to be a good, uh, uh, a good supporter of, of this great ministry because these boys, they're good. I'm going to tell you, we, we had some real talent there. These guys were not dumb. They were not uh, deficient. The deal is the only love they were getting was they were getting love from their house parent and their church and Baptist as we supported them. So I hope that we'll be a part of that. The envelopes are back there. You can pick them up on the way out. And as you know, we don't pass the offering plates. They're here. And I will say one other thing since I'm making a commercial. We have many guests today. On your, uh, I don't even have one in my hand, but on the, the worship folder that you get out, there's a little tear-off. I love to know who visits with us. If you'll just put your name there, you can tear it off and drop it in an offering plate. It becomes your offering today. And I'll thank you and thank you for being here. Second Timothy chapter 1, Influence of a Godly Mom. I think the best place to start is uh, um, an old Reader's Digest story. I'm about to check your age. How many of you remember reading the Reader's Digest? Raise your hands. Oh, yes, it's not nearly as many in this hour as the first hour, okay? And for those who uh, have never read the Reader's Digest, I think you can find it online now. 
It used to be a monthly book, and it had uh, all kind of fun stuff on it, fun articles. But this is one of the stories that, I, that was there. It seems that a young man was off to school, and he called his, mom, he called his parents on New Year's Day. And his dad got on the phone, and he said, Dad, what's your New Year's resolution? And dad said, to make your mother happy. That's pretty good. Just a second, mom got on the phone. He said, Mom, what's your New Year's resolution? I want to help your dad keep his New Year's resolution. I like that. We're talking about mothers today. When I was, when I was thinking about this message, I prayed and I asked for a word today that we could give to mothers that would be encouraging, that would be helpful, that would be even challenging. But anytime I stand behind this sacred desk, I don't just—I try not to single out just one group to to preach to. So I've asked God to give a message that will be true for all people at all places at all times. And so we find ourselves in Second Timothy one this morning, and we're going to talk. There's some generational moms here. You'll hear me refer to this again, so don't be offended. We're going to talk about mom and mama, okay? And we're going to talk about their influence today. This this mom and this mamma, this mother and this grand, and I hadn't, didn't even say that first hour because we're a little short of time. But uh, um, moms, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I live back here with, with, she was just a girl when I met her. We were both kids. We got married. She became a mom. And now she's a Grammy. But her transition through child through child raising went like this. See if you can identify. I know I didn't ask your permission. It'll be okay. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. She went from mommy to mom. Do y'all remember that? To mama to mother to mother. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And today she's Grammy. So you have this tradition, you have this kind of a legacy and, and heritage as you go through the uh, the mother process. But what we want to do is get our scripture in front of us. Second Timothy chapter one. If you will stand to honor the reading of God's word, if you can and will. Message entitled "The Influence of a Godly Mom," and I should have said godly moms and grandmoms. We're going to pick up in verse three. Paul's writing to this young man, Timothy, and he says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle, the old translation says stir up, to rekindle the gift of God that is in you Through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, 
and sound judgment. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for the moments that remain. I pray that our thoughts will be so focused on to you and what you've called us to do and to be and the influence and the heritage and legacy that you called us to leave in and through our young people. I pray that today we will be encouraged. Lord, we love you. I pray that you'll remove me from the equation. And I pray that we'll see no one but you, hear no one but you, and answer to no one but you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Being Being raised in a Christian home is a blessing beyond description. Because not only are you instructed in the will and the ways and the wants and the desires and, and the word of God, but you're also watching a godly example through your parents. Timothy knew what it was to have a godly example. He watched both his mom, he watched his grandmom. And maybe somebody doesn't know in this room, But Timothy's dad was a Greek, and there's no record that he ever came to faith in Christ. So his learning came from his mother and his grandmother, mom and mamma, or some of you go by nanny, nana, something like that, Uh, the grandparent. Now, I'm just going to take a little liberty since we're not quite pushed for time. And uh, on Thursday night, I was privileged to speak at the um, National Day of Prayer and met our distinguished young woman of the year from Marion County, Julia Johnson, and was impressed. She sang and sang well. In fact, uh, I have her information. She may come here and sing for us. But I met her granddaddy and grandmother after the, after the uh, event. And uh, I told them a couple of things that if you've not heard me say, I probably am going to say them. And some of you will think they're good. And some of you will want to come and wring my neck. And that's all right. I told them that grandchildren were your reward, was God's reward for you not killing your children. Now, there's a few of you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? And I told them that, if, that I had told both of our children that if I'd have known how good grandchildren were, I'd have never messed with having children. I'd have gone straight to grandkids because they're a lot more fun. Could I get an amen, grandparents? Don't have that many grandparents in this room, so there you go. But here's what I want, here's what I want to say to you is that mom and grandmom taught little Timothy about faith, taught him about the function of faith, talked to him about the depth of faith, talked to him about the need for faith. This means these two women, are you listening? These two ladies did not let their light be hidden under a bushel. They let their light of Jesus shine out for everyone to see. And you know, I'll, I'll pause here and tell you, I remember as a, as a kid, I remember a lot of godly women in and around my life. 
And I, I'll be honest with you, I had a lot of really good men around my life. But I don't remember the godliness, the depth of their walk with Christ. Man, I want to encourage you on this Mother's Day. If you feel like you're the leader of your family, if you don't lead spiritually, you're not the leader at all. If the only time you lead is when you lead to the sports complex or the fishing hole or the hunting grounds, if that's the only time you lead, you're not really the leader of your family. You're just a part-time leader. You see, God has called men and gifted men to lead. And so too, too often men abrogate that responsibility, cast aside that responsibility, and count on their wives to take up the slack. I hate to tell you guys, they do. Maybe I shouldn't hate to tell you. They do. They take up the slack for what we leave. But this mom and this grandmom taught Timothy. So the influence of a godly mom has to do with this. They gave him... Down in verse 5, I recall, he's saying to Timothy, your sincere faith. That's what, the mom, that's what the mom and grandmom gave. He had a sincere faith, which means it was an unfeigned faith, which means it was a faith that was unshakable, which means it was a faith that ran deep, which was a faith that was apparent faith. It was an honest faith, as one translation says. It's a faith. You know, folks, we don't really like to talk about faith today. We want to talk about everything else in the world but faith. And I'm just going to tell you what, it is only faith that's going to lead us home one day. And if we don't have faith, we're going to go to a place that we really don't want to go. But I want to give you these five types of faith that I just kind of lifted out of here that, that Eunice and Lois gave to Timothy. Are you ready? The influence of a godly mom is giving faith. And that faith, first of all, is a faith that's seen. A faith that's seen. Human beings have computer-like brains. We, we kind of keep a record of everything we see and hear. And I, just, I want to say this to you. And this, the studies are out there. You remember such a small portion of what you what you only hear, and when you hear and see it, you, it increases how much you remember. You ready for this? That is the very reason for these screens. It's because you see it and hear it and it impresses on you. A faith that's seen is something that can be remembered. Paul says, I clearly recall your sincere faith. He had seen it. As he had heard it, Timothy must have had a life that exuded the qualities which were, which were not only convincing, but memorable. And guess what? Paul hints that this faith developed from mom and mamma. They taught him. He was God's man because of, of them. In other words, everything Paul, everything Timothy was given, everything that he had become was a result of Lois and Eunice's honest, genuine, and sincere faith in action. And as a result, Timothy became Paul's go-to guy. Wouldn't you love to have been Paul's go-to guy? I'd have loved to have been Paul's go-to guy because, you see, 
Paul was such a, a patriarch, a patriarch of faith. I don't think I've communicated this well, but I'm hoping I've communicated enough that it kind of serves as a wake-up call to all of us, moms, dads, everybody. There exists a deep need. Are you listening? There exists a very deep need today for young men and young women, just like you just saw on this platform, for young men and young women to see honest, genuine, Sincere faith in action. Authentic faith that controls every part of our life. Not a compartmentalized faith that's this, like this on Sunday and like this on Tuesday and like this on Thursday and like this on Monday. But it is a sincere faith that they can see all the time. Faith that's Clearly seen by our children, by our children's children, by our children's friends. A humble faith, a sincere faith. There's an old adage that says, actions speak louder than words. And Augustine said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. And I can, I can argue that point. I understand what he was trying to say, but I'm just going to share this with us who live like we do not have to share our faith, is that the truth is the presentation of the gospel will always require words. Somebody's going to have to tell it. Somebody's going to have to share it. But here's the truth. Until they see it, there's no reason for you to share it. Until they see it in you, until they see the love of Jesus flowing through you, till they see the grace of Jesus flowing through you, till they, till they see even the mercy of Jesus flowing through you, till they can see Jesus in your life, what do you have to share? Brother Jerry, I just am the way I am. I got to thinking about it yesterday. I had a friend 40, 90 year business years ago. And I, I I used to laugh at her about how the way that she just, you know, it didn't matter what she thought, you know. And I thought, yesterday I thought, I guess i kind of grown up because that sounds rude now. That was rude. Just blowing people off. You, you blow somebody off like that and then you try to share Jesus with them? It's not going to work. You see, the truth is, is that I've said it many times, even in this pulpit, you're the only Jesus some people see. On Mother's Day, honoring motherhood, the truth is the greatest way we can, we can honor, ladies, this divine task is to, of being a mother is to, is, is to fulfill our calling to show our faith and our love and his mercy every day. In recalling Paul's, uh, excuse me, in Paul uh, recalling Timothy's sincere faith, we know that Paul saw faith in Timothy. When people look at us, do they recall that we're a people of faith? Has our faith been a faith that is seen that it's visualized. When they look at us, what do they see? You see, a 
godly mom's influence influences toward faith and it's a faith because it's a faith that's seen. But second of all, it's a faith that's shared. It's a faith that is shared. Scripture says this faith first lived. Did you get that? This faith first lived in Granny and Mama, in Lois and Eunice. This faith faith had a starting place. You see, the, the deal is, is that I've used this last week and this week, and I think it's so important in the culture we're in today, is that Timothy didn't rely on their faith to get him into heaven. He didn't rely on their faith to be a better person. He didn't really rely on their faith to get him in the presence of the Lord. Timothy owned his faith. It was his. The parents, mothers, and daddies. Whatever is on the top of your priority list, whatever, you can kind of write it down. It will become the top of the priority list for your offsprings. If you have faith in yourself and are prideful, so will your children. If you have faith in your vocation, so will your children. If your priority is to accumulate things, your children will see it and follow along. If if at the top of your list is your public persona versus your private private real person, your kids will pick up on that. At the same time, if your heart is given to Christ, if your life is given to honor Christ. Your children will pick up on that. You see, whatever you really place your faith in, whatever you really point your priority to, your kids already know. <laughs> you don't have to tell them. They know. For a godly mom, her influence is so real because her faith is alive and it is transferable. It first lives in her and she gives it to her kids among everybody else. I think, I think the last part of this verse is telling because it says, verse 5, I, sincere, I, re, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And watch this. Now... <laughs> I am convinced, now I have seen it, now I know it, that it is in you also. It's a faith which is seen. It's a faith that has been shared. So it is a faith that sticks in the little lives of the little children who see it. Wherever we play our, place our faith, they'll know. Message. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible written by um, Eugene Peterson. Dr. Peterson sat down and, and paraphrased the entire Bible for this reason so that he could sit down with his children at bedtime at night and read them from the Bible words that they would understand. That's why the message was put together. And I like what he says here. It says, uh, uh, I'm convinced it's in you also. He says... He wrote that it was handed down, a faith that is handed 
down. Now, folks, we love to hand down things. We're from the South. We hand down, we hand down clothes. We hand down ooh, shoes. We hand down jewelry. We hand down rings. We hand down glass. I knew one family that they had great granddaddy's eyeglasses. I mean, you just meant something. We love to hand down things. Why don't we hand down the best thing? The best thing we can hand down is a deep, living, abiding, visible faith in Jesus Christ. Because it is only Jesus that saves. It's the only thing that will stay with you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Hand down your faith and build up your children. The influence of a godly mom is a faith. They have a faith and they share a faith that's seen, a faith that's shared. Number three, it's a faith that stirs. I see it here. And you, and you see it down in verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the, the gift of God, to stir up the gift of God. Paul says, man, I clearly recall it. It was first alive in your mom and your grandmom. And I want to remind you to fan that flame and keep it ablaze. You know about fanning a flame, don't you guys? Now, we have across our congregation men that really love to grill. Really love to grill and smoke. And you guys are the charcoal guys and the wood guys for flavor. Me, I'm a gas guy. I have a gas grill. Sherman, I like to turn that thing on, put my lighter in there, and I got a flame. I don't have to light. I watch Daddy light the coals. I used to, it used to be so funny. Daddy would always light the coals on the grill, and he'd fan it and blow on it till they lit up, and then he'd cook his burgers, we'd go in and eat, and he'd come back out, and now they were red hot. And he'd go, you know, the fire is finally ready to cook some food, and we're already done, man. And so I, I like the gas thing. But do you know that fanning that flame, if you've ever fanned that to the charcoal, that's what he's saying about your faith. Fan the flame of faith. I remember as a Boy Scout, we were taught to start a fire with rubbing sticks together. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever rubbed sticks together to start a fire? It requires work. It requires action. It's difficult. You know, that could, be, that could transfer into faith. You see, your faith requires work. It requires action. Let me, let me compare it this way for the sake of time is that just the work that it takes to fan the flame, a physical flame and get it in there, is the same thing that it takes to get you and I spiritually strong, get our faith strong. For instance, if you trusted Christ, if you trusted Christ, at the moment you trusted Christ, A, you were saved, B, he immediately gave you some spiritual gifts. For most people, it's more than one. Even those go, I don't even have one. No, that's not right. But happily, it's a, you're become a babe in Christ. And I'm going to just tell you that when he bestows on you those, that giftedness, you have everything you need to be everything he wants you to be. Can I say that again? When you get saved and he gives you the giftedness, you now have everything you need for everything he wants you to be. But you're a baby. Little baby back here. Do you know that little baby has every muscle she'll ever have? 
ever have. Little babies, they're born, they have every muscle they'll ever have. Now, are they functioning at full capacity? Nope. What's it going to take? It's going to take nutrition and exercise. Generally, you don't have to worry about exercise with little ones. All you have to do is feed them, and they run crazy out the house, and they're exercising themselves. You know what I'm talking about? This means yes. But you know what? If they don't exercise, you go and lay them in their bed. You don't let them get up. You don't let them get down. What happens is their muscles will atrophy. That's why it's old guys. I have two men over here been dogging me about my age. That's why it's old guys have atrophied muscles. We don't work them out anymore. The way you build is you work out. Do you know it's the same thing with your faith? Do you know it's exactly the same thing with the gift, the spiritual gift that you've been given? If it's not been stirred up, it's not being worked, if it's not, if it's not being, if it's not being used, you know what's going to happen? It's going to lie dormant. And it's going to become ineffective. Moms and dads are responsible to stir up this gift of faith in their children to be developed into young, healthy, spiritual women and men of faith. And when I say that, I've, more than one time I've had parents come up to me and go, Brother Jerry, I just can't do that. It's too difficult. You're asking too much for me, from me. You know what my response is? It ain't me, and he's not asking. He put the children in our care to teach and train. Now, if you, you go, well, I don't know about that. Well, let me just kind of, if you go ahead and put the screen on Deuteronomy 6 up there. This is what it says in the Bible. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, Israel, and that would be New Hope, that would be America, that would be Mississippi, that would be Marion County. Listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That just about covers it. You have anything else to love him with? Love him with everything you are. Verse 6. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Now, now, please listen. I understand that we study. I understand about the intellectual part of man, but you need to hear me. Faith is born in the heart. With the faith, you believe. Did you hear it? With your heart, you believe. With your heart. And when your heart gets full, you can't contain it. Did you know that? If you don't believe it, when parents have their kids, what do they do? It fills up their heart, and they talk. When a grandparent has that first grandbaby, it fills up their heart, and you can't shut up their mouth because they're going to tell you about their grandbabies even if you don't want to hear it. Do you all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're going to talk and talk and talk. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. These are the words I'm giving you, and they should be in your heart. And when it gets in your heart, it will just overflow. And here's what you do. Verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them on as a sign on your hand. And let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. 
Listen, folks, we spend so much time talking about other things that we can't do what God has has, uh, called us to do. But the godly mom, the influence that she has is she follows that. What do we really talk about with our children today? Everything under the sun? We talk about careers. We talk about mates. We talk about relationships. We talk about school. We talk about sports. I mean, the list goes on and on of all the things we talk about. We talk about everything that's in the physical world. We talk, this is, okay, this is my pet peeve. Somebody has a child and they just got to support their favorite college football team. It's got to do it. Anything wrong with that? Nope. As long as when it comes to Jesus, you don't say, well, I got to let them decide for themselves. I just gonna let them decide. That's serious business. Oh, really? And the reason you're standing on the back of your couch on Saturday afternoon, when the official makes a call that you don't want, that's not serious business. That sounds like you're more passionate about that than you are other things. The truth is, is that if we don't impart this faith that stirs, it won't be transferred. Influence of a godly mom. Mom stands in the gap, and she and she transfers this. It's faith, the scene shared and stirs or stirs up. It's also a faith that's solid, strong, steadfast. Verse seven says this: For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That means a spirit of timidity about our faith. That means a spirit of cowardice about our faith. That, that means a, 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 the spirit that's afraid to live our, out of faith. That, that literally means a fear that freezes our faith into dormancy, and the result is our faith becomes anemic and weak, and it lacks any real strength. It's, it's not the legacy of a, of a sincere faith. It's not the legacy of a sound faith. It's not the legacy of an authentic faith. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. You see, you see, this strong faith is, is born, are you listening? Is born in prayer. A praying mom has saved many a wayward kid. Generation before me used to sing this song. If I could only hear my mother pray again. It's because many mothers have spent much time at the altar before God praying their prodigal back to the Father. The way our faith is made strong is through prayer. A child inherits his strong faith from his parents. When I read this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Our power is the ability to impact and influence. Our love is the ability to empathize 
And our sound judgment is the ability to discern. People of faith are people who follow God at all times and sometimes at great personal cost. Their decisions are not driven by their prefaces, by a popular vote, or by a people, or by actions mandated by man. They're not driven by self-centered decisions. They're driven by their faith in God. And they have the strength to stand. The Bible speaks of people, God's looking for people who will stand like that. Second Chronicles 16.9, we're told this, The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth, for those whose hearts are completely His. This morning the Lord is looking to and fro, trying to find a heart that is completely, not partially, completely His. He's still looking. In Ezekiel 22, He said this. He said, I searched for a man would stand in the gap, make up the hedge, repair the wall before me. And you know what the sad part of that verse is? He ends that verse by saying, and I found not a man. If he's looking across this congregation, if he's looking across our hearts, is he, will he find a mom or will he find a man whose heart is completely his? Will he find someone who will stand in the gap before him, before the people for him? A strong, strong faith. That believes us to the last thought. It's a faith that saves. She imparts a faith that saves. Paul wrote, for by grace you have been saved through faith. The godly mom, the godly dad influences their kids to faith in Jesus, a faith that carries them into eternity. It follows them all through this life and carries them into eternity. It changes their life here. A faith that doesn't impact your daily life. Are you with me? I'm almost through. A faith that does not impact your daily life is, a, is not a faith worth having. A faith that doesn't change you is a faith that won't save you. In our text, Lois and, and Eunice had a saving faith in them. They passed it on to Timothy and Paul saw it. When I think of the influence influence of a godly mom, I'm caused to ponder, think, meditate, and even question. Not the godly mom part. 
I've seen many godly moms, and, and that's kind of a personal choice, personal decision, which I implore us to come to. But I ponder about this thing of influence. Influence. How does my influence speak? Dads, you can't intimidate your kids into, into being godly kids. You have to influence them. How do you influence them? By the godly life you live. It's not about strict discipline. It's about it's not about strict discipline, although the Bible teaches strict discipline. But it speaks it speaks discipline that is born out of love. Eric and I were talking about my dad a little bit yesterday. My dad was a tough man. He was tough. But he had this tender side to him. Uh, When he applied the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge, he did so, and I knew he was there. But you know what? That same dad... The last words I spoke to Dad, and he spoke to me, and I didn't see him for three weeks before he died because of COVID. last words I spoke to Dad is I said, Dad, I love you. And he said, Son, I love you. And I never doubted his love. And my dad influences me today. Oh, he can't discipline me today, but his influence goes on and on because Influences how we guide and, and how we direct and how we inspire people. Influence our legacy. How do you influence your children, your friends? What you do, you don't know the influence that it has, impact that it has. I'm going to give you a story that has nothing to do with motherhood. I'm going to end with it. But if you will let it kind of run in your mind, it could be you in ways that you don't even know about. The boy's name was Mark. They were about the sixth or seventh grade, something like that. And he was following a kid home from school one day. The guy was just a little bit ahead of him. And he, the guy was loaded down. He had books. He had, he had his uh, sports bag. He had his art supplies. He had everything. He had lunch pail. He had everything in his arms. And he was overloaded. And about halfway, or as they left, the boy just kind of spilled out, dropped everything. So Mark walked up and said, are you okay? And helped him pick up. And Mark said, which way are you headed? They were headed the same direction. So they walked. Mark carried his stuff. They laughed and they had a good time and what have you. And uh, I come to find out the boy's name was Bill. And uh, a couple of years later, they entered junior high together, had a few classes together. Went through high school together. Somewhere around graduation night, Bill said to Mark, can I talk to you? He said, yeah. He said, do you remember the day that we met? 
and I dropped all my stuff and you helped me? He said, I remember her. He said, what you don't know is that I had cleaned out my locker. I would gotten all of my stuff to take it home because I didn't want anybody to have to clean up my mess. I had taken some enough of my mother's sleeping pills and hid them. I was going to go home and straighten up my room, and I was going to commit suicide. And on the way home, I had that accident. I met you. You walked home with me. You cared about me. We laughed. And it dawned on me that maybe I had a few more things to experience, a little more life to live. And I'm here today because of you. You see, folks, the influence that you have, mothers, dads, friends, you will never know. You will never know. Because you may actually save someone's life. When all is said and done, the greatest influence a mom can have, the greatest influence a dad can have, is the one you have for eternity when your little one trusts Christ. May it be so. Would you bow with me?